It has officially gotten impossible to keep track of all of the ways in which the Arizona Cardinals are self-destructing, right? Like, October 2021, this team is 7-0, and everything looks awesome. They have Kyler Murray, their new young star quarterback. They have this hot new head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. But from there, they go 4-6. and six. Kyler throws arguably the worst interception in playoff history. They go into the offseason. They sign Kyler to the giant contract. It involves a homework clause, let's recall, that is hugely embarrassing for everybody, both because it had to be revoked after it was leaked, possibly by the team itself, and also because it raised questions about whether anyone on this team, Kyler included, but also the people who employ him, were actually doing nearly enough homework about any of the things that their jobs entail. And then the season starts, and spoiler alert, the season is embarrassing. They are now 4-10, and ten. they just lost to the Broncos, Kyler just tore his ACL, he's out for the season, they're playing the Buccaneers, and Tom Brady on Sunday Night Football this weekend on Christmas night. And amid all of that, we're getting these reports about how Steve Kime, the GM of the team, who has been mysteriously absent from the team, has already been pre-fired. Okay, so he's not going to be brought back after the offseason. And also, they had to fire their offensive line coach, who had his own scandal last month. I mean, it's a lot. It's kind of everything. And so we bring you this episode that we did with Dave Fleming who reported the reason why all of this may be happening. And it involves a curse, perhaps unsurprisingly at this point, a curse that originated in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. So yeah, it is Thursday, December 22nd, and this is ESPN Daily. At the dawn of the National Football League, back when helmets were still leather and college was still king, there was no NFL team like the Pottsville Maroons, a team that played in a small Pennsylvania coal town and rose to the very top of the sport in 1925, before corruption and infamous injustice took all of it away. So today, Dave Fleming tells the story of a curse almost a hundred years old that will plague one specific Super Bowl contender this season unless Pottsville finally gets what it deserves. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? 
Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. So Dave Fleming, we usually bring you on here to talk about stuff inside your cabinet of curiosities. But this episode here is about your crusade. It's about something far grander. And it is a crusade that starts where and when exactly? In the anthracite coal region of northeastern Pennsylvania in a little town called Pottsville, Pennsylvania. This is an amazing story. Of all the amazing stories I've uncovered, this might be my favorite. This tiny little coal mining town that embodied the the spirit of the Roaring Twenties. One day, just cut a check. You could do this back then. One day in 1925, just cut a check for $500, joined the NFL, and completely dominated all of the teams in New York, Green Bay, Chicago, a, a doctor from the town owned the team. Their coach was an ornithologist. And they <laughs> used a mixture of literally coal miners and college all-stars. And they absolutely dominated the NFL. Wait, so even adjusting for inflation, $500 sounds like a real bargain. Flem. So, so what did this team pull off that made you want to look into them in the first place? Just what they did in 1925 alone is amazing. But they are one of the teams that helped establish the NFL. You have to remember in 1925, the NFL was a laughing stock. It was people called it paid punting. And people couldn't imagine a time where a, a college team would lose to an NFL team. So, and it was deemed sort of like there was no honor in it because the people didn't live in the town. They didn't represent the town. So the NFL is barely holding on as a professional league. And the Maroons are one of the teams that really helped establish it and make it what it is today because of this 1925 season where they go on a run where I think they beat their first seven opponents by, it was like 190 to seven. They go on and they win the NFL championship in their first season. So as just as a football matter, what did this team do that made them successful? Did they do stuff that was sort of radical for their time? Oh, absolutely. Well, they were one of the first NFL teams that insisted that the players live in town, not just barnstorm in for the games um, that the players became part of the town. They practiced every day, which the NFL didn't do their nerd uh, ornithologist coach. He was into scouting. So he was one of the first NFL coaches to scout. They had this incredible running back who was a, a product of the coal mines who became, who had sort of a certain build because of what he did in the coal mines, certain sort of toughness. They called him the human howitzer. His name was Tony Latone. And they balanced what him. Tony Latone, the human howitzer. Greatest is the greatest name ever. Yeah. So Tony Latone, I don't know how long this episode is, maybe five hours, but the Tony <laughs> Latone was forced into the coal mines at the age of 12 to support his family. 
and he had to pull giant, you know, I don't know how much tons of coal in a cart and that built up his legs. And so he was just naturally, he literally walked out of the coal mines and onto the NFL football field. And there are a lot of people, Red Grange included, who think that he should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame. And a big part of that case, it sounds like, Dave, is the fact that when these guys do take the field in 1925, they're just wrecking people. So how does that season play out? In their first NFL season, literally go through the entire slate and they pound the Giants. They pound the Green Bay Packers and Curly Lambeau. They go all the way to Chicago by train without some of their best players to play the Chicago Cardinals in what everyone believes to be and is billed as the NFL championship game of 1925. And they absolutely destroy the Chicago Cardinals 21 to seven and claim the NFL 1925 championship uh, for, for the NFL and having run out of actual professional teams to beat the, the Maroons turn to the literally the, the best football team in the history of the game, the Notre Dame Four Horsemen. Wait, so that's the Four Horsemen. Hold on. As a sports writer nerd, that's the blue-gray October sky. That's that team. That's that Notre Dame, a.k.a. like th- these are the kings of all of football, not just college football, all of football at this point. That is exactly right. It's almost un- you couldn't script this story any better if you were making it up. Um, as a Hollywood scriptwriter, yes, they faced the Notre Dame Four Horsemen, and I think there were people in the NFL begging them not to do this because they were going to lose a hundred <laughs> to zero. And of course, the media, the newspaper reporters back then, they show up from everywhere, right? They smell blood. They expect to see Pottsville finally get blown out, but then something very different begins to unfold. Philadelphia, Walter S. Farquhar of the Pottsville Republicans says, after playing a loggy game during the first half, Pottsville staged a desperate rally in the last half, plunging to victory over Notre Dame's famous four horsemen by the ticklish score of 9-7. Right at the half start, Pottsville went after the horsemen hard, Latone going over for a touchdown on a forward pass, thrown from near the 30-yard line. Then, Pottsville came back to its grand old form, a machine marching 70 yards right down the field until, in the last three minutes, Barry kicked a placement goal from the 31-yard line. The drop of a pin could have been heard as Perry kicked his goal and on-rushing horsemen were almost upon him as he booted the ball, but it went over, low, and straight. It was Tony Latone who swung the tide, his great work in the second half, making the Maroons look like the team they really are. And long story short, the Maroons go to Philadelphia in in front of a packed house, and on a last-second field goal, they beat the Notre Dame Four Horsemen and, again, help to establish the NFL. The NFL never looks back after that. Wait a minute, Dave. So Pottsville validates the NFL at a time when the NFL clearly desperately needs this boost over college football. Here are the new NFL champions beating the best team in college football. But this is also where your whole crusade here really begins, right? Because the NFL itself, they don't exactly reward Pottsville for pulling all of this off. Yes, Having covered the NFL for maybe three decades, this doesn't surprise me at all. But yes, the NFL paid back the Pottsville Maroons 
by stripping them of their title. What happened was because the game, they brought in so many fans to this game in Philadelphia against Notre Dame, the NFL team in Philadelphia at the time, the Yellow Jackets, they made a bogus claim that the Pottsville Maroons were invading their quote-unquote territory. So this is an old-timey thing, Dave, where like if you play even an exhibition game in a town that already has an NFL team, it violates this territorial rule or something? Like that's what the league was enforcing? But guess what? After not that much digging, I found out that there was actually no written territory rule. This was just Philadelphia trying to get back at the Maroons for literally in one year taking over the NFL. I mean, I've gotten the the president of the NFL Hall of Fame to admit that there was no written rule, no written territory rule in 1925 in the NFL. So the whole thing from the beginning is just it's bogus. It's basically just the establishment of the NFL trying to get back at this little how dare they this little coal mining uh, town and team that basically kicked everyone's ass up and down the NFL. So this little town, Pottsville, Pennsylvania, they lose their title. And, and who gets the title then? They look at the standings and who is next in line but the Chicago Cardinals, the team that the Maroons just absolutely embarrassed on the actual playing field. And thank God there was one decent person in Chicago football, and that was the owner of the Chicago Cardinals, Chris O'Brien. And he, when tr- when the NFL tried to sort of hand off this, here, take the 1925 championship, he said, nope, can't accept it. It's a bogus title. And so technically, the 1925 NFL championship was never awarded. Wait a minute, but you had said that the Cardinals owner, Chris O'Brien, had refused this thing out of some sense of honor. So how did the organization, the Cardinals team, how did they eventually come to get the title? Well, when the Bidwell family bought the Cardinals in 1932, unfortunately, that honor did not transfer to the new ownership. (laughs) And I honestly feel like there was a 1925 NFL championship trophy in the stuff that got moved over. And the Bidwells were like, what is this? And when they assumed ownership, they assumed ownership also of the bogus 1925 NFL title. Wait, so the Bidwell family, I know that name because they are still the owners of the Cardinals today. But at the time here, Flem, like as the decades wore on, this is the 30s now marching forward. How did the Maroons fan base take all of this? Everything was okay until the the NFL decided to open up their Hall of Fame in in the early 1960s. And when they did, they started going back through the original teams, the important teams to sort of build the NFL. And when they went to Pottsville and asked for things to help build up the NFL Hall of Fame, Pottsville said, you can have whatever you want. Just give us our goddamn title back. <laughs> <laughs> And believe me, these are coal miners. They did not use even that delicate of language. And so the Cardinals' response to this indelicate request was what? You have to remember, right? They had only won a couple of titles, so they didn't have a lot of titles to spare. No. And the Bidwells were like, absolutely not. We This is our title. We're not sharing it. We're not giving it back. We're not even talking about it. But how did you even get interested in any of this in the first place? How did you find this story? All I got was a one-page fax from NFL PR that was the agenda item for the upcoming NFL owners meeting in 2003. And so this whole thing, which has been 
a decade and a book and a movie and magazine stories and now this amazing podcast, it all started with a one-line agenda item that was talking about the the leaders of Pottsville and the mayor were, were going to petition the NFL owners to get their 1925, their stolen 1925 NFL championship back. And that it all unraveled from there. What happened there? What was the resolution? What was that debate about all of this like? I think that there was considerable momentum. Again, it's a Charlie Brown and 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 Lucy situation between Pottsville and, and the NFL. I mean, the way the NFL has treated this pioneering, important town and these fans, it's disgraceful. And it really sort of peaks in 2003 where there really is momentum from Pottsville and the NFL that says, look, let's just have the two teams share the title. How about that? So it comes to the attention of the NFL owners in 2003. And essentially, Bill Bidwell, he's got some power within the ownership group. He convinces them to not even discuss or to debate the 1925 championship. And all the dignitaries from from Pottsville are at this meeting thinking that they're about to bring home the NFL title until they realize that the Bidwell family has again stepped in and taken it away from them. So the Maroons still have not been given their day in court to even discuss the facts of the case. And, you know, I mean, if you're guilty and if you have no leg to stand on, you you settle before the trial begins. And that's what the Bidwells did. I mean, it's disgraceful. So, Flem, I I know... (laughs) It's very clear that you are the voice of these people. You are their emissary. You're their ambassador. You are the guy trying to keep this debate going. Have the Cardinals, like, paid a price yet for any of this? Oh, they have paid dearly. I think the Bidwell family has sort of laughed and thought, oh, we got away with one. But what Pottsville has done to this Cardinals franchise, oh, they have gotten their revenge a hundred times over. All right, Flem, after the break, the curse of the Pottsville Maroons and how the Arizona Cardinals still haven't figured out a way to solve it. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs of real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! 
Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So, Flem, we got to get to the Cardinals end of this equation, right? Because the Bidwill family still owns this team. And given everything that's happened this year with Kyler and beyond, with all the controversies, and everything else that you've reported now, do you think they're ever going to be able to win a Super Bowl? Ever. Oh, that that's just not going to happen. I'm telling you right now, that is not <laughs> going to happen. But they will never win a championship until they do right by Pottsville, Pennsylvania. The people of Pottsville, how clear are they that they are responsible for everything that has befallen the Cardinals in terms of futility championship-wise? They are 100% certain. This curse has teeth, right? They the, the Cardinals have come close. I mean, you're talking about a toe-tap touchdown in the Super Bowl. So it's come close. But Cardinals fans have suffered decades of bad karma and bad results and missed field goals, first-round flops, and just disgraceful seasons, all because they won't get right with this possible Maroons team. When I talk about the curse and the power of it, I always think of the oldest, most loyal Paso Maroons fan, Nick Barbetta, who, after fighting this fight for his entire life, passed away in 2013 at 98, I believe. And I always love the way he put it in, in a couple of different interviews with me. The first thing he said was, they stole our championship the same as if they came and robbed us of the trophy. And then Nick, about the curse, then said, as a response, Pottsville has cursed the Arizona Cardinals. And Nick Barbetta said, we cursed them with the oldest, strongest curse in sports. Yeah, Flem, the rage of Pottsville, a would-be Green Bay of its time, it had won its title rightfully. Their cosmic revenge here. Like, who does the town blame for this? When did the curse really start in earnest to them? It really started in the 1960s, and who they blame is the Bidwell family. And that's when the Bidwells really sort of stepped in and blocked any even fair discussion of who is the rightful owner of the 25 championship. And not only that, they did what the NFL has done to this little town, basically, right? They sort of mocked them for being a tiny little coal mining town that nobody's ever heard of. And there's no way we're sharing our title with this little hick town in Pennsylvania. And that's when it really became personal. And that's when the town responded with a curse that really is unlike, look, they don't do anything soft in Pottsville, right? Apparently not. This is a coal mining town. And... They, including the curses, because they cursed the Cardinals in the 60s. And I believe the franchise went the next 36 years without a playoff victory. Yeah, Flem, I'm looking at the history of the now Arizona Cardinals. It's pretty brutal, man. It has an anthracite level of cruelty here because they lose in the 1975 divisional round. They lose in the 1982 wildcard game. They lose in the 98 divisional round. And then, obviously, 2008 comes around, and it seems like good times are ahead, except 
what happens? Well, they don't get right with Pottsville. I'm telling you, whatever you do, don't get cursed by Pottsville because I know everybody talks about curses in sports, right? This is legit. And that Super Bowl, and they are facing, which I think is, you want to talk about karma. They're facing a Pennsylvania team in the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I have to say, the one family that has been behind Pottsville from the beginning and with the strongest support has been the Rooney family. So this is mwah, chef's kiss that the Cardinals and Kurt Warner, it seems like they're about to win their first title, first Super Bowl championship. And no, the Pottsville adjacent Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> drive down the field at the last second. Ben gets the snap. He's back. He pumps. He scrambles around, throws it back corner of the end zone. Santonio with a touchdown! Santonio home! I don't know how he did it! Dominique Rogers Cromarty doesn't know how he did it! But they ruled touchdown in the far right corner of the end zone! And I was sitting in the end zone when they threw that toe-tap touchdown at the last second to win the game, and I never had a doubt in my mind. No, Flem, they threw it to Santonio Tone Latone Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, honestly, I feel like there were ghosts of the Pottsville Maroons that took his foot and put it down in the turf right there by the paint. They give up that touchdown, 35 seconds left. Steelers win 27-23. to The Cardinals, since then, they lose three more playoff games, have not been back since. So, like... Have Cardinals fans taken note of this? Have they tried to, even if their ownership refuses to make right, have the fans at least of this team begun to realize that something here might be real? What I like the most about this story is when you tell a lifelong Cardinals fan about this curse, they kind of, it's like a forehead slapper. They go, oh my God, it makes sense now. There have been so many, you know, bad draft choices and crazy losses and horrible seasons. And they kind of are, they're almost relieved to be like, okay, now it makes sense. I finally get it. We are cursed. They absolutely, nobody believes this curse more than Arizona Cardinals fans. They get it. So I think Cardinals fans even realized this before that Super Bowl. It was just a little bit too late and they wanted to raise money and build a replica trophy and award it to Pottsville. But I got to tell you, <laughs> the NFL has tried this a bunch with Pottsville. They've tried to award them with, you know, pioneering awards and different Hall of Fame awards. Everything but the title, the right. real thing. And I got to tell you, in, in a time when people are like, oh, okay, I'll take that compromise. Pottsville is like, absolutely not. Get those stupid-ass trophies <laughs> out of here. It's the title or nothing. And that's why I think that they've begun to organize and, and try and convince ownership and the Bidwell family to open up discussions, at least just hear the maroon side of it, so that we can start fresh and maybe have a chance at a Super Bowl, maybe even this year. So the binary nature of the Pottsville psychology here, give us what we deserve or get the bleep out of here. Because it's been a while since you published your book and it almost became a movie and you've written all these follow-up stories. Where do we stand today? 
Well, thanks to the power of ESPN Daily, I think we have the greatest chance ever. All Pottsville really wants is a seat at the table. Let them let them adjudicate their cause. Let them tell the whole thing. All they want is an audience with Michael Bidwell, who is now the new owner of the of the Arizona Cardinals. And I think, honestly, let's make this right. Like, I would become the biggest Cardinals fan ever if they would just let Pottsville say their piece. So the saying of the piece, I mean, does does it feel like the NFL is is receptive to this? Have you talked to like, you know, league officials about about this problem? Oh, you know me. You know me, Pablo. I went straight to Roger Goodell and (laughs) paint that scene for me of, of Dave Fleming. Mr. Mr. Fleming goes to Washington, so to speak. How does that scene go? I think it was the, the one of the last Super Bowls in Phoenix, and he was about to give his state of the league address, and he's behind these curtains. And so I just walked in, separated the curtains, and was like, I need to talk to you about Pottsville. <laughs> and you were immediately tackled by security. But after that, after Secret Service cleared you, uh, what was that conversation he, like? You know what? He's very receptive. I think he understands how important this team was. I think he wants to sort of bring people to the table. What I understood his message was the Cardinals have to lead the way on this. They have to do what's right and and lead the way on this. Other other than that, the intention of the book, the intention of the movie, the intention of this podcast, it's always been to make the story well known enough that the NFL is embarrassed into doing the right thing. Because as you know, that's the only way they ever do anything. So we need to just keep the noise up until they're embarrassed to the point or the Cardinals lose eight Super Bowls in a row where they finally are willing to to do what's right and correct history. So Michael Bidwell, the owner of the Cardinals today, this is third generation ownership now, Fleb. If you had a chance to get an audience with him, and I presume that you've tried to get an audience with him over the years, what would you want to say to him? You have no idea, Pablo. I have, I mean... I have emails, letters, FedExes, phone calls. I'm I'm also willing to I will camp out in front of their in front of their facility. I swear to God. It got to the point where like the the secretaries and the PR people would just sort of shrug and go, "Really? Another email, another request for an interview?" But I'm not giving up. And if I were to get a chance just to get in front of them, it's like do yourself a favor. This curse is not going away. Either face the consequences of the next hundred years without a championship or meet Pottsville at the table and just listen to them. What do you have to lose other than another hundred years of futility? You know, please, that's all they're asking for is to is to tell their side of the story and to give you their reasons for why they want that championship back. Dave Fleming, the human voice of the Pottsville Maroons, the human embodiment, honestly, it sounds like, of the oldest, strongest curse in sports. Thank you for your will made of anthracite, apparently. I'm going to get my camping stuff right now. I'm I'm seriously, I'm going to their franchise headquarters. Uh, (laughs) Michael, I will see you soon. Dave Fleming, may God have mercy on your soul. Thanks, Pablo. And thanks from Pottsville as well. And one more thing before we go, actually. 
we did want to let you know we just made a playlist of our favorite episodes from this past year. We make so many shows every weekday, hundreds of them. You are bound to have missed many of them, probably. But this is the stuff that we don't want you to miss or forget. And it's probably perfect for your travel days during the holidays or maybe when you just want to, you know, unplug from, yeah, your family or the world around you. So uh, check it out. Send it to your friends. The link to the playlist is in our show notes. We think you'll, uh, yeah, enjoy listening to what we did this year. So I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 